This is the Everyday AI Show, the everyday podcast where we simplify AI and bring its power to your fingertips. Listen daily for practical advice to boost your career, business, and everyday life. There's a new AI chat in town from Amazon called Amazon Q. If you haven't heard of it yet, there's not a lot of information out there about it. But don't worry, we scoured every corner of the internet to figure out more about what this Amazon Q is, who it's for, what it does, if it's going to be competing with ChatGPT, Microsoft Copilot, if any of us are going to use it. So we're going to go over all of that and more on today's edition of Everyday AI. Welcome. Thanks for joining. My name's Jordan Wilson. I'm your host and Everyday AI is for you. It's a daily live stream, podcast, and free daily newsletter helping everyday people learn and leverage generative AI. So before we get into Amazon Q, and today's today's discussion might, might be a long one, so buckle up. And if you're joining us on the podcast, as always, check out the show notes. We always keep a lot more in there, as well as uh, a link to go sign up for our free daily newsletter, because... On conversations like today, there's going to be a lot. I'm sharing things on my screen, so don't worry. We're going to be recapping everything in the newsletter, so go to youreverydayai.com and sign up for that free daily newsletter. And if you are joining us live, like Woozy Rogers here saying good morning from Kansas City, uh, please let me know where you're joining us from, and also what do you want to know about Amazon Q, uh, the thing that I love and kind of why I even created Everyday AI the, the way that I did is so we could all learn generative AI together, so we could learn how to use it to, to grow our companies and to grow our careers. So before we dive into uh, Amazon Q a little bit more, let's start as we always do with what's going on in the world of AI news. So uh, two, two kind of uh, bigger things to talk about today. So Meta is celebrating 10 years of AI with some announcements. So yes, uh, they are officially celebrating 10 years of their Meta's, fun, Meta's Fundamental AI Research Team or FAIR team. Uh, so they are introducing some new AI models and some updates to existing models, including Ego XO4D, AudioBox, and Seamless Communication, and their breakthroughs in combining first-person and external views. Uh, so we'll be sharing about that more in the newsletter. Once you see it, it makes a little bit a uh, little bit more sense. I did want to talk a little bit about AudioBox. So it's actually kind of uh, replacing or updating their voice box feature. But uh, AudioBox is a generative AI model for audio created by Meta. Um, and it allows users, users to generate custom audio voice prompts or text descriptions. Uh, or from text descriptions, and users can describe the sounds or speech types they want to produce, like a soundtrack or a specific voice. So it looks like uh, AudioBox is going to be combining both kind of text-to-speech and kind of that uh, text-to-music. So pretty excited, and I, I, I do remember from their original announcement many, many months ago, this model was pretty advanced even then. So I'm excited uh, to take a look at this, um, and again, more in the newsletter today. Uh, second piece of news, uh, U.S. has forced uh, some Saudi fundraisers to exit a hardware GPU chip project from OpenAI CEO Sam Altman. So uh, we've talked about this on the show multiple times over the last couple of months, but uh, OpenAI's CEO Sam Altman has been rumored to be starting a new hardware uh, project specifically to create better 
uh, generative uh, AI chips. So GPU chips, it's these are the uh, kind of computing power that uh, all these generative AI models need. So uh, according to recent reports, uh, the Biden administration has forced uh, a Saudi uh, Aramco venture capital firm to sell its shares in the Silicon AI Valley, uh, in the Silicon Valley AI chip startup um, that uh, Sam Altman is working on, signaling potential implications for the Middle Eastern country's investment in U.S. technology. So uh, we'll share more about that in the newsletter and a lot more news. So uh, make sure to go to youreverydayai.com and sign up for that free daily newsletter. Y'all, it's it's not just the news, but we have, you know, different sections. We we have our bite-sized news with it, which is great. Our fresh finds, which is just different AI happenings from across the web that maybe aren't news related. You know, the latest uh, AI tools to help you grow uh, your business as well as every single day we break down our podcast um into a very very descriptive level giving you step-by-step instructions on how to implement this for your business. So if you're a, a longtime podcast listener, thank you. If you're always joining us on the live stream, love it. Thank you. But make sure to go read that newsletter uh, and share it with your friends too. So let's get into this. Amazon Q, Maybrit, thanks for joining us. She says, I'm curious about Q as a whole as an AWS user. It seems pretty straightforward. Tried it out. Uh, what is known about the training data of Q? Yeah, so we will be able to get into some of those questions. But yeah, let me know what questions you have. But let's start at the top. Let's talk about what Amazon Q even is, right? Uh, to put it as simply as possible, Amazon Q is an AI chatbot, right? Uh, you know, we've we've seen them from so many different companies now, but uh, at its core, it is an AI chatbot, right? Uh, it is set up much differently uh, than a lot of the other uh, you know, AI chatbots that that we we use or we we know, such as you know, uh, ChatGPT from OpenAI or um, Bard from Google or Claude from Anthropic. So it is li- a little different, but you'll see here um, on my screen that I'm sharing. And don't worry if 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 you're on the podcast, uh, we'll leave a link there. But I'll, I'll try to do my best to describe it. But when you go into Amazon Q, um, it is kind of like anything else. You're kind of greeted with these um, kind of suggested prompts. Uh, you know, you'll have your kind of chat history uh, on the left. So pretty familiar uh, user interface. So that is at its core Amazon Q. But yes, right now it is for AWS users only. So Amazon Web Services, that is their uh, kind of their cloud platform. So a lot more on that later, because actually at the end, I'm going to go over some things that I think Amazon got wrong with its announcement of Amazon Q and maybe is is getting wrong um, and, and, and maybe some things that they're, they're not taking into consideration. Um, so we're going to get to that, but we're going to go step by step here. So that is what Amazon Q is, um, basics. All right. So what Amazon Q does. So in short, it allows you to bring your business processes into an AI chatbot. So so here's kind of how um, it was described from the AWS CEO. Um, You know, they were saying that essentially, hey, right now, these different AI chatbots don't work where you work. And they're saying that, you know, hey, afterwards, uh, these companies, you know, kind of calling them out by name without calling them out by name, but saying essentially, 
uh, OpenAI, Microsoft, and Google are trying to kind of figure out security after the fact. So what Amazon Q does is it taps into your existing AWS um, architecture or your infrastructure. So, you know, all of the different tools that you're already using inside of AWS. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more on a, on a later slide here in a, in a couple of minutes, but it is really right now geared a little bit more toward developers, right? But um, for, for, for more technical people that are already working in AWS, so, you know, I think early on, you're going to see it used for uh, a lot of coding, uh, for developers, uh, data architects, um, IT departments, business intelligence, um, you, you know, with some uh, outside integrations. And also something that they mentioned that I thought was pretty interesting was even call centers. So having Amazon Q on calls live um, to provide better customer support. So to uh, suggest to people at call centers how to better troubleshoot uh, issues. So that 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 was one kind of a unique use case that that I saw that I haven't really seen yet, you know, from the uh, open AIs and the Microsofts and the Googles of the world. So uh, what Amazon Q does or will do, it is a, a flexible AI chatbot built for businesses um, in the enterprise space, right? Who are already using the Amazon Web Service ar uh, architecture. So that's the other thing, right? Um, when we talk about, you, you know, cloud providers or um, cloud computing, there's really just I mean, there's a lot of names in there, but it's really just the three big players right now, right? So it's AWS, number one. Number two is Microsoft Azure. And then number three is Google Cloud. So obviously, you know, Microsoft already had their kind of uh, AI chat or Gen AI solution with Microsoft 365 Copilot. Uh, Google, I'd say Google, yeah, it's a little far behind, but for their Google Cloud users, they have, uh, you know, Google Duet, uh, Google uh, Vortex, you know, so they they already have some, uh, you, you know, kind of Gen AI solutions for their cloud customers. So uh, this announcement from uh, Amazon uh, a couple of days ago at their uh, Reignite conference is the first big all-inclusive kind of a hub for generative AI uh, for a chat to be able to work with and have conversations with all of your existing data that is in the AWS cloud, so to speak. All right. So that's high level on what Amazon Q does. And again, thank you for, for everyone joining us live. Get your questions in now. I'm going to try to tackle what I know, you know, because full disclosure, we're not on, you know, at, at Everyday AI, an accelerant agency, the digital strategy company that I run. We're not on AWS. We're a small company. We're on Google. Um, so we don't even have access to this yet. But I, I watched just about every video um, and read just about every article uh, that's, that's out so far. So that is what Amazon Q does. So even sharing on the screen here, uh, kind of an example walkthrough that they had. So uh, in this kind of example... Uh, the user is saying what product, so talking to Amazon Q to the chatbot that is already connected to its data saying what product features are causing the most problems for customers. And then Amazon Q then is able to go through uh, all of the existing data and to see how customers are reacting to this, uh, you know, this kind of fictional example to their product or service. And they're able to see everything that's going wrong and then to give them three suggestions. And then the user in this example says based on this training schedule, when can we deliver more education on this topic, right? And then also, you know, what Amazon Q does, well, it works with a lot 
of the popular business apps that most businesses are already using. So yes, you do have to be an AWS customer as of now to even use Microsoft Q. That's important. However, right now, when you talk about what Amazon Q does, yes, it can connect to all of your data in the AWS cloud and all of your architecture there. But you can also configure it to a lot of different popular business apps, such as uh, Zendesk, Dropbox, Microsoft 365, uh, Salesforce, right? So uh, Jira. So in this uh, example here that I'm showing on the screen, after this conversation about what problems are our customers uh, facing, you know, you could then say to Amazon Q, all right, hey, create a task for me. And then it's going to automatically create uh, a task if you're connected to Jira. You know, that's one of the project management tools that right now Amazon Q connects with out of the box. All right. So it's a high level view of what Amazon Q does. So now let's talk about a little bit about how it works. All right. So seemingly pretty simple, right? So, um, we have another kind of one, two, three slide demonstration from someone at the AWS keynote. I believe this was from uh, Tuesday. So they said it's simple, right? They say it's very simple. So it's like step one, you configure. So you go in and you connect uh, your queue to your a uh, to your AWS. So like I said, it is already connected to your AWS account. So right now you can't get access to Amazon Q if you are not an AWS customer. So you essentially sign into your AWS account and then you configure your Amazon Q. So that's when you say, hey, these are the different tools that we're currently using, you know, whether it's Dropbox, Salesforce, Microsoft 365, uh, GitHub, um, Slack, you know, is, is probably going to be a, something that's that's pretty popular. Uh, I do believe they have some uh, basic Google Drive integration. So uh, I did think that that was interesting that they mentioned, you know, Microsoft integrations and Google integrations by name. I thought that was fairly interesting, even though they're trying to position themselves as a competitor. They are understanding that a lot of their AWS customers are running on Microsoft apps or are running uh, on Google apps. So I did find that interesting. So they say step one is configure and then step two is connect. So there is essentially a, a learning process of sorts where um, Amazon Q is, is taking in all of this data and it's starting to create semantic relationships between all of your different business accounts that you're connecting. So if you're connecting your, your Dropbox in this example, you know, there it's, it's connecting Dropbox, Salesforce, Zendesk, Slack. Microsoft 365 and Amazon S3. So it's connecting all of these very popular business apps. And it's essentially on a per user basis, because this is set up at um, $20 per user per month. And again, this is really geared toward the enterprise. So in this second step, it is creating kind of semantic relationships between all of the different data that you use. So as an example, it's figuring and finding out and Amazon says that, hey, this is security first, you know, not security afterwards, like some of the others. Um, so they're saying, hey, if you don't have access to something in Slack, as an example, when you connect your Slack, it is already keeping in mind the security and the access that you already have. Um, so watching Amazon's keynote, they, they, they placed a very high emphasis on data, security, and access just because right now, you know, that's the hot topic. I think that's one of the reasons why more enterprise customers and more, you know, businesses uh, kind of in mass haven't been really running out 
to use generative AI tools because they're they're not sure about those things, about data security, about privacy, um, about um, access, you, you know, to different tools and what happens in a, you know, in large enterprise environments when everyone has, you know, different access to different files. Um, so that's, that's a big step right here is this connect phase that I'm showing on the screen. If you are joining us live where essentially, um, you know, Amazon Q is, is building up, um, an internal database for this user, um, and then connecting it all within their AWS account. All right. Then they say step three is pretty easy. You just go right. You configure, you connect and you go. So you do, uh, access Amazon Q once you go through those steps in a web-based interface. So this isn't a, a desktop program right now. You, you are logging in online like you would a traditional chatbot. Um, and that part is important. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later. Hey, this is Jordan, the host of Everyday AI. I've spent more than a thousand hours inside ChatGPT and I'm sharing all of my secrets in our free Prime Prompt Polish ChatGPT course that's only available to loyal listeners like you. Here's what Lindy, who works as an educational consultant, said about the PPP course. I couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting the results from ChatGPT that I needed and wanted. And after taking the PPP course, I now realize that I was not priming correctly. So I will be heading back into ChatGPT right now to practice my priming, prompting, and polishing. Everyone's prompting wrong, and the PPP course fixes that. If you want access, go to podppp.com. Again, that's podppp.com. Sign up for the free course and start putting ChatGPT to work for you. All right. So let's, let's keep going. Let's keep going. And I do see some comments coming in and I'll try to address them at the end if I can, but yeah. What are you guys thinking about Amazon Q so far? Do you think it's going to replace, do you think they're going to take a lot of maybe chat GPT enterprise customers, or do you think that, uh, maybe Microsoft 365 co-pilot, uh, teams are going to be looking at, uh, you know, uh, Amazon Q and wanting to jump ship. Let me know what you think. So let's talk about this. Who Amazon Q is for? Well, it's pretty simple. Right now, it's for AWS users. And I think that's a miss. And I'm going to talk, talk about why at the end. I'm going to go on just, just maybe a mini rant today. Not a long one. But that's who it's for right now. A high emphasis um, on their keynote and on their messaging early on about that you know, saying, hey, right now, AI chats don't work where you work. And Amazon saying you work in AWS. Um, obviously, it is a little bit more for technical people. Uh, but, you know, even Amazon says that they've been using this internally, you know, that they've been using this internally, obviously, to test it and build it. And the example that they say that, um, you know, some of their teams that they updated 1000 uh, Java application upgrades in two days, when normally, Updating a single Java application used to take a day in and of itself, right? So you're talking about, you know, huge, what is that? Like 500X uh, productivity improvements, you know, in this one very specific use case. Again, right now, it seems like Amazon Q is more for technical people. It's more for those people in IT, more for those people in data, more for those people in business intelligence and, you know, data architects, data visualization you know, potentially call centers. Um, so I think that's important to, uh, to talk about and, and, and really, 
Microsoft all, all but said, or, or sorry, Amazon all but said, um, this isn't for consumers. You, you know, they, they really said this, this isn't for consumers. So, you know, if, if, if you're someone like me, you know, maybe small business or an entrepreneur or solopreneur, um, unless you are using AWS as part of a project, a product that you're building, a software that you're building, yeah, Amazon Q might not be for you, at least not now. All right, let's keep this, let's keep this thing going. Here's the fun stuff. Here's what I wanted to get into. And kind of the uh, the crux of this episode and kind of what this episode is titled, you know, is Amazon Q an AI chat replacement for ChatGPT? Is it a competitor to Microsoft Copilot? All right, let's talk about that a little bit. I'd say right now, Amazon Q is, is positioned somewhere in the middle, right? Um, let's talk about this. ChatGPT is for anyone, you know, Google Bard's for anyone. Uh, Microsoft 365 Copilot, I think eventually will be for anyone, you know, right now as of, you know, it's been released, uh, you know, to some enterprise teams for one full month and they'll be... Um, you know, reportedly releasing uh, Microsoft will releasing Microsoft 365 Copilot um, to to all users uh, soon in the coming months or quarters. But right now, I think ChatGPT is for literally anyone. I think Microsoft 365 Copilot will eventually be for anyone on Windows. And Amazon Q right now, I think, is trying to carve out its place among developers, among highly technical people, you, you know, the, the IT people, people in business intelligence, and obviously people that are already using AWS, you know, from front to back. I think in those use cases, the uh, adoption rate is going to be very high, right? So if you're out there and if you or your company or your department is enterprise and you're already using AWS and you haven't got fully behind, you know, maybe ChatGPT's enterprise product or Microsoft 365 Copilot. Maybe you don't have access yet. Maybe you do and your company hasn't jumped on board yet. Maybe because you're using AWS as your cloud provider and not Microsoft Azure, right? So I think so much of this as well is for those enterprise companies, who is your cloud provider, right? Because I think for the most part, this is going to be a no-brainer. If you're using, like so many enterprise business are, businesses are, if you're using AWS, I think using uh, Amazon Q at $20 a month per user, per month, is a no-brainer, right? The onboarding process seems pretty simple. Your data is already, you, you know, your data and, and integrations are already um, in the AWS cloud, so to speak. So. I think that's going to be pretty easy. But what about for everyone else, right? Yes, AWS is the the leader in the cloud race. But what about for everyone else? Maybe on Microsoft Azure. Maybe uh, if if your data is on uh, Google Cloud, uh, other cloud providers. Or here's something. One of my gripes that I'm going to get to. What if you don't even use a cloud provider right now? Well, Amazon Q is not for you. In that case right? At least not right now, at least not with their initial messaging, right? Uh, you know, even in interviews after the um, AWS CEO was asked specifically, is this for developers only, right? Is this an AWS centric product? And didn't really answer that very directly, kind of, you know, skirted around the question, but at least for right now, 
Amazon Q looks exclusively for if you are running your business on AWS and probably at first just for more of those people in technical fields. So if you, you're a encoding in, uh, you, you know, developer IT, uh, you know, business intelligence, something like that. Aside from that, I don't see a big rush of people, if I'm being honest, either saying, oh my gosh, I want access to Amazon Q. So I'm going to move our cloud provider. So we can be on AWS and use this. I don't see that. I don't see that, at least not widespread. I don't see widespread people moving their cloud provider just to just to get on AWS. Now, again, the uh, the messaging wasn't 100% clear. You may be able to, you know, sign up for an AWS, not migrate, you know, all of your data over and still use some of the basic features uh, of Amazon Q there. Um, again, the messaging wasn't super clear. And unless you've done that process yourself, um, you know, we don't know right now. Um, yes, Douglas, don't worry if you're late, the hot takes are coming. Um, uh, all right. All right. Question, question here from Douglas asking, uh, do you know if AWS Q's ties in automation similar to how, uh, Microsoft power automate or Zapier with chat GPT? Um, I'm not sure about Zapier. It was not listed as one of those first, you know, 40 business applications that Q can, um, on the onboarding process that Q can, um, connect directly to. Again, if you have access and if you're listening on the live stream, you know, I know like as an example, one or two people already said that you, you have access to it. You can let us know, right? Uh, they didn't list every single, uh, you, you know, 40 business apps. I didn't see it anywhere, but Zendesk, Dropbox, Microsoft 365, Google, Salesforce. Um, I didn't see Zapier in there. So yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see if they do add something like Zapier or Make or Bardeen or other uh, automation platforms that so many of us use. But so is it, let me just answer. I don't think, I don't think that right now, Amazon Q is a direct competitor to ChatGPT. What I do think they are and where they're competing, I'd say, is they're competing right now for all of those Microsoft Azure cloud customers that haven't yet, that either they don't have access to Microsoft 365 Copilot, or maybe they haven't jumped on board yet. That's who I, that's where I think the real competition lies. Because like I said, I think a lot of this, because it's a technical first product. That's how it's being marketed to highly technical people, to developers, to IT uh, departments, right? To, to business intelligence people. Um, so I think early on, if you're on AWS, this is going to be a no brainer, right? Even if maybe you've already started to integrate through your operating system onto Microsoft 365, because I think the two platforms uh, can coexist, right? I think at least with Microsoft 365, because it's on the desktop, right? That's the difference here. That's the difference here, everyone. And that's why I've been saying for many months that when Microsoft 365 Copilot is fully released to consumers, right? Right now, the rollout has been high-level enterprise clients first, dripping it out to everyone. I think once everyone gets access to Microsoft 365 Copilot, if you are a Windows user, that's going to be the true game changer, right? Because even with Amazon Q, you got to log in right? I know that sounds, that sounds funny, but when you're working on desktop programs, there is still, you know, unless it's one of those, uh, in Amazon Q's example, unless it's one of those 40 programs, um, you, you know, that connect directly, but 
you know, if, 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 if you're someone like me, an entrepreneur, someone in marketing, advertising, I use way more than 40 business programs, right? Like way more. So it, that doesn't help me. But I think with Microsoft 365 Copilot, when you bring generative AI to the desktop into all of the different programs that you're using, so whether it's Microsoft Word, Microsoft Excel, you know, your Outlook, uh, you, you know, your email in Microsoft Outlook, your meetings in Microsoft Teams, that's where I think generative AI, if you're, if, if you're going to say this is built for business, this is built where you work, right? I still think in my example, at least as it is today, right? Chat GPT versus Amazon Q versus Microsoft 365 Copilot. I think Microsoft 365 Copilot out of those three, at least has the highest ceiling. I really think it does. You know, is, you know, has ChatGPT hit its ceiling? Are there another 100 million users out there that are still going to go on the platform when now competitors are catching up? I don't think so. I don't think so. I still think they'll show steady growth. Um, but I don't think you're going to have, you know, 100 million plus. I, I mean, I'm sure over time, right? But not in the next couple of quarters where I see, I see right now Microsoft 365 having that potential. For, for much more growth right now, even when you compare it to Amazon's Q, mainly because not everyone is an AWS customer. And again, I think there's something, a huge selling point in a simplicity of having a generative AI system on your desktop. That is where you work across all your different desktop programs and not having to manually integrate um, in, in having a generative AI that not in a creepy way, but follows you everywhere. All right. So what do you think? I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Where do you think that everyone's competing, right? Do you think Amazon Q is going after AWS? Uh, comment from Maybrit here. Maybrit, thanks. Thanks for uh, tuning in as always. Um, Maybrit did say that she's been, she's tested it out so far. So she says, I use AWS's free tier. All right, that's good to know, Maybrit. And I do think it's a great tool to troubleshoot issues faster than ChatGPT. Doesn't perfectly understand. Looking forward to trying it out more. Yeah, so um, that's good to know. So the AWS free tier apparently can work with Amazon Q. Again, that's something I couldn't find on Amazon's website. They didn't mention it in the in the in the keynote. Um, it, at least not not to my recollection. I listened to it uh, once or twice. So again, the messaging and the marketing. So far, at least, Amazon seems to be pushing Q on, on the technical people, on the developers, on those that are already deeply ingrained into AWS as their, you know, kind of cloud architecture. And, and, and so I'm, I'm not sure on their marketing, how this was initially delivered. We'll see. Obviously, it's only a couple of days old. Um, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of ongoing marketing from Amazon trying to push this on the everyday customer. But I didn't get that. I didn't get that originally. All right, let's keep this going. A couple more things. Let's talk about the initial reaction. It wasn't good. It wasn't good, right? So on the screen here, um, I have Amazon stock price. So after the announcement of Q, um, it went down, you know, nothing drastic, but about 2%, okay? And 2% when you're a trillion dollar market cap company is a lot. It's a lot, right? And then we compare it to Microsoft. So when Microsoft 
had their uh, kind of conference here about three weeks ago. So right, they they uh, Amazon just announced this at their um, at their conference three weeks prior, or about two weeks prior actually. Microsoft announced a lot of Gen AI um, announcements, um, you know, at their conference, including that they were building GPU chips, you know, kind of some some new features that were coming to Copilot. But the difference is, uh, if we exclude. That Friday afternoon, November 17th, that was the last day of Microsoft's conference, uh, their three-day conference. But at the very end of the day, you know, it came out that, uh, hey, Sam Altman's fired. And when Microsoft owns 49% of OpenAI, yeah, their stock took a dive that Friday afternoon right before trading closed. But if you take Microsoft's stock up until that Friday afternoon, it went up 3%. After it's, you know, talking about the new co-pilot announcements, talking about their new in-house GPU chips. Comparatively, yes, hey, Amazon announced their own GPU chips, right? And then they unveiled Q. So I, I don't think you can, you know, say, hey, well, you know, Amazon's Q went down because of, you know, market sentiment or, you know, consumers behavior toward their announcements about Q. But you can look at it collectively. And that's a big difference. When we're talking about companies with trillion-dollar market caps, Microsoft, again, up until that last afternoon, went up 3%. Amazon, down 2%. I can't emphasize enough, when we're talking about multi-trillion-dollar companies, dropping 2% is losing tens of billions of dollars on your market cap. Going up (laughs) 3% is adding you know, in Microsoft's case, nearly a hundred billion, but it's adding tens of billions of dollars in your market cap. So again, you can't judge it by just that, right? You have to be able to zoom out, but I'd agree. I'd agree. I think, well, let's just, let's just get straight to the hot take, shall we? What Amazon got wrong? What they got wrong? Well, a couple things. It was rumored. Well, let's start. Let's let's start here. It was rumored that Microsoft, or, or sorry, it was rumored that Amazon last year at this very conference one year ago was going to announce their AI chatbot. We didn't know if it was going to be called Q. There was rumors, you know, for the last couple of months it was going to be called something called Olympus, right? Uh, but there was reporting that Amazon was going to release this last year. But kind of, hey, OpenAI and ChatGPT beat them to the punch. You know, it was last year. I think November. 29th or November 30th of 2022, that OpenAI released ChatGPT. So um, we don't know if that's the reason why they delayed it or maybe if it wasn't ready, but Amazon has had reportedly a year to work on this, right? To, To work on the actual product, right? Which I cannot speak to, but to also work on the marketing and the messaging. And I think Amazon got a lot of things wrong when talking about Amazon Q. Again, I'm not talking about the product itself. I haven't used it. I'm sure it's literally fantastic. You know, from from some of the early reviews that I've read, it seems like it's going to be very impactful to the way that companies do work. However, if you have a year to plan this, right? And all the other major companies all the other major companies, and I'm, I'm really looking at like four, right? So I'm looking at OpenAI's ChatGPT, 
I'm looking at Microsoft's 365 Copilot and Bing Chat. All right. I'm looking at Google Bard. Well, technically five. I'm looking at uh, Anthropics Cloud. And I'm looking at Meta, Meta's Llama and all their different models. These five other juggernaut companies, well, four, Anthropics, not technically juggernaut yet, but they're up there in terms of large language models. But you have these five other juggernaut companies that already collectively have hundreds of millions of users. Their products are already out in the wild. And I think that Amazon dropped the ball in appealing to more people, right? Hey, I'm finding out now live on the show from a commenter that you can sign up for an AWS free account and that apparently Amazon Q will work there. That should have been communicated. The marketing and the messaging, in my opinion, missed the mark. This seemed solely aimed looking at the website, watching their keynote, watching their kind of intro videos, um, you know, on, on Microsoft or, or sorry, on Amazon Q. Um, I think they missed the mark. I think they really geared this toward highly technical pre-existing AWS customers. I think they missed the mark, right? Because I'm looking at this and I'm like, hey, I use, I use a lot of these tools, right? <laughs> you know, these 40 business applications and, and, you know, clients that we work with, they, they, they use Zendesk and Salesforce and Slack, right? So immediately I'm thinking, well, Either these clients are on AWS or they're on some, you know, other cloud cloud platform or not even a cloud platform at all. That's the other thing is I think there are so many small businesses that maybe aren't even on a cloud provider. I know that might seem crazy to you if you're a technical per person or if you work in an enterprise company. Yes, there are small businesses out there that don't have a cloud provider. You know, they just have their email and yeah, they have maybe their Salesforce or their Slack, but they don't maybe have that cloud provider kind of tying it all together. So I think that Amazon, at least in their initial marketing and messaging, really dropped the ball and missed the mark. Because I think for a lot of those companies, there are tens of millions of customers in that, you know, small, small to medium-sized businesses that maybe aren't on any cloud provider yet and that are using these 40, uh, you know, business tools and applications. And I think that Amazon missed the mark in directly appealing to them and saying, hey, don't worry if you're not an AWS customer, you can sign up for free. You don't have to migrate anything over if that's the case, right? But again, they missed the mark. And focusing too much on this being for existing AWS customers that are running their day-to-day -day operations in AWS. I think it was too enterprise focused. And also, they really kind of all out said this isn't for consumers. And, you know, the interviews afterwards and, you know, all the tech journalists covering this on, on TV, radio, I, I listened to the interviews, the articles. It was pushing that this isn't for consumers. This is for business. This is for enterprise. Why? Why? I think there's this common misconception now, right? And there's this growing divide that, hey, these AI, you know, enterprise systems, they're enterprise. Why? Right? That's, that's what I want to know because I, I think that especially generative AI, 
right? It's different if we're talking about more your traditional artificial intelligence that's been used in the business circles for many decades, you know, your old school AI, so to speak, your, your deep learning, machine learning models, right? I can see how that's probably for enterprise companies. But when I look at something like Amazon Q, I was reading this as this is great. This could be great for small companies, for entrepreneurs, for solopreneurs. But you have Amazon, maybe, I think, not doing a good enough job controlling that narrative or doing a good enough job in their marketing and messaging that this can be for everyone. That this AI tool can be for everyone because it seemed like it was just geared toward highly technical enterprise companies. And I think that's a common misconception that is around generative AI right now, that small companies, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, generative AI isn't for you. Guess what? I have a small business. I work with small businesses, you know, that they're definitely not enterprise, right? You know, we've worked from teams that are are small as 10 people to teams that are 200. And if I sat down with the CEOs of all those different companies that I've worked with and I showed them Amazon Q and, and, and they watched that, you know, the hour and a half keynote or whatever it was, they'd say, oh yeah, this product isn't for us. I think big, big tech companies need to do a better job at making generative AI more inclusive. I think they, you know, when we say generative AI is, you know, democratizing the AI technology, well, that needs to be from the bottom up because I think there's so many great, even myself, I saw this and I'm like, this seems like it's for me, for my clients that I work with, right? But the messaging and the marketing and saying, hey, this is for, this isn't for consumers. This is for enterprise. This is if you have, you know, terabytes of of data in in your AWS and, you know, floating around in the cloud. Well, it can be for everyone. It can be for everyone. All right. Uh, I think that's all for my rant, guys. I think that's all for my rant. But let me get to a couple questions. Uh, Tanya saying, does that mean that ChatGPT wrote their marketing without a copywriter? It's funny. I don't know. You know, I would like to, I would like more disclosure in those things. Tanya, you bring up a great question. You know, I always think of the smartphone commercials, you know, um, on TV. And then they say, oh, shot with you know, iPhone or shot with, you know, Samsung Galaxy or something. And then you find out later, it's like, oh, they actually used a $50,000 camera as well. Something like that. Yeah. I would, I would like to, uh, I would like to know that as well. Um, all right, let's, uh, Doug, another, another good question from Douglas. Douglas, thanks. So asking for Copilot with Microsoft Office, do you think it is with enterprise only because Copilot needs access to mouse, massive amounts of company data, emails, docs, PowerPoints, et cetera, in order to be successful? And that is the reason it is not generally available. Um, I'd say in general, Douglas, I think when you look at large enterprise offerings, they normally do it from uh, you, you know, biggest companies down because they want to make sure, you know, Hey, the thing with enterprise, let's be honest, it's money. It's money. You know, you're paying for, you know, Microsoft copilot, I believe is $30 per month per user. Um, Amazon Q $20 per month per user. So they want to make sure that those companies that have tens of thousands of employees, they want to make sure that those companies get access first that they can work out those issues and make it work for them. Because if you can make it work for um, and have a company find success that has 50,000 employees, it's going to be an easier sell to a company that has 5,000. 
I would say that's probably, but again, that's why they have, you know, teams of very smart people working on their, um, you, you know, on their go-to-market strategy and on their product and software rollouts and not some, some random guy talking about AI every day. But I would assume that is why you want to make sure those large enterprise customers first find success uh, with the products that they can show uh, a, a tangible return on investment by using those products, because then that's what sells. That's what sells to everyone else. But yeah, I, I, I mean, you see that with actually all three, right? There is an enterprise version of chat GPT. I know myself and so many other, you know, quote unquote, smaller businesses signed up for access, signed up to get a demo call. I've never heard anything, right? I talk chat GPT almost every day, you know, on one of the largest tech podcasts in the world. And I can't even get someone, you know, from, you know, chat GPT enterprise to tell me more about the product. So yeah, I do think chat GPT enterprise, um, you know, obviously right now where Microsoft 365 copilot is, um, you know, dripping out first to enterprise. And then even with Amazon's, uh, Amazon Q's, uh, initial marketing and messaging really geared toward those, those much larger enterprise companies. So yeah, I do have a small rant and a bone to pick with all those tech companies because if you want generative AI to be used on the day-to-day, sometimes it is those individuals, it is those small companies, it is those entrepreneurs, it is those startups that bring the momentum to others. And you know, people, hey, even like myself that are teaching others about it. So I think that there is an issue right now across the board in big tech with their new gen AI models, um, you know, being a little too uh, selective in their rollout. All right, that's it. I didn't want this to turn into a six hour uh, show, but I hope now you understand a little bit more about Amazon Q, who it's for, what it does, how it's competing with with others, you know, um, and if you're going to use it. Like I said, I think for those customers that are already in the AWS um, ecosphere, I think it's going to be wildly successful. I think what you're going to see, you're going to see Amazon fighting for other uh, enterprise clients, maybe that are on Microsoft Azure, that are on Google Cloud to see if they'll migrate or for whatever reason, if there are larger companies that aren't dedicated or aren't married to their cloud provider right now. But I think right, I think overall, I'm personally excited anytime we see a great looking uh, generative AI product. So I do think, um, don't get me wrong. You know, I got to get my, some, some, some griping in and, uh, a little bit of ranting at the end. Uh, but I do think that this Amazon Q is an incredibly powerful product. I think it is really going to help push the generative AI space forward. All right. That's it for today. I know it's a lot. Make sure you go to your everyday sign up for that free daily newsletter. We dove into a ton today. We're going to be breaking it down as we do every single day and a lot more. So thank you for joining. Hope to see you back next week and every other day after that for more Everyday AI. Thanks y'all. And that's a wrap for today's edition of Everyday AI. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a rating. It helps keep us going. For a little more AI magic, visit youreverydayai.com and sign up to our daily newsletter so you don't get left behind. Go break some barriers and we'll see you next time.